Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. This is At Home Connecticut, hosted by Joey Burgoyne, highlighting events and happenings that are taking place in your home. Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. Good morning and welcome to another episode of At Home in Connecticut. I'm your host, Joey Burgoyne. It's the 20th anniversary weekend of September 11th, the tragedy that unfolded that day on United States soil. And earlier this week, Brian Shackman, Ray Dunaway's co-host, talked with Governor John Rowland, and they got into some pretty interesting stuff. John talked about that day, what it meant for him. And I thought it would just be interesting and meaningful to replay that because John talks about you know where we are as a country and what we need to do to kind of become better again. What we were those days leading up to and after 9-11 were drastically different. America came together, and there's some great words in this. And right off the bat, John gets in some pretty heavy stuff talking about what he was doing with families and first responders the day of and day after 9-11. So take it away. It was probably one of the most emotional times of my entire life. Um, we all knew where we were when, when 9-11 occurred and, and kind of what was happening in our life. And in our case, um, you know, being so close to New York, um, the first thought I had was we're going to have a lot of people coming back from New York into Connecticut, right. and we're going to have a lot of impacted families. I think the, the number is 161. So um, those early days, people didn't realize um, there was so much uncertainty. You know, did my loved one live? Did, is he in the hospital? Did, could she be, you know, under some bridge somewhere? So all those feelings uh, went on. So the first thing we did, frankly, was. I sent a trooper, ambulances, and mental health professionals that first day down to every train stop because I thought, you know what, these people are going to jump on their trains and go home. What kind of condition are they in? And uh, so we met thousands and thousands of Connecticut residents that were returning uh, after that, that terrible morning. But um, So then I started to make some calls, and I said, you know, maybe I sh- should reach out to the family members. And long story short, um, as it evolved, I found that people were still searching. Some people had found finality. Uh, we, I had a trooper sitting with me, so we, we, we actually drove family members down to Ground Zero to try to help them get information on their loved ones. It was a little bit, a little bit crazy in those first few days. So then I, I kept calling because people wanted to talk. So I had literally sat down every night and called as many people as I possibly could and do you, uh, bonded do you, do you, with a lot of these families. Do you, look at, was, do, you, do you look at the list and you're like, you have to take a deep breath and reset after every single one? I mean, I can't imagine, you know, the intensity of every single one. Matter of fact, I, I would literally go home at night and cry. 
and I couldn't sleep for literally the whole week. But what I, I also had a mental health professional sitting with me because I, I said to this person, I said, I don't know what to say. I don't want to say the wrong thing. And so I, she coached me. She said, well, you know, don't say I know how you feel. You know, and, and she said, she coached me, just listen, she said. And I, I, all these calls and, and, frankly, developed a lot of relationships with these families over the years. The one that was the most stark to me was I, I was talking to um, a, a mom, a woman, a wife in Stanford. And she was very calm, and she said, you know, I was one of the lucky ones. And she had lost her husband in one of the towers. And I, and I said, of course, I said, well, why? She said, well, I got to say goodbye to my husband. And she went on to describe that she was on the phone with her husband literally for 15 or 20 minutes as the towers were burning, recounting their high school uh, friendship and their eventual marriage and kids and family. And she went on and on and on. And then she told me, the phone went dead, and she looked on the television and saw the tower go down. And I've got to tell you, that, that shook me to the core, that she was so faithful and so strong. But what all these family members went through during those early days and weeks was, was really incredible. And the volunteers and, you know, the, I heard a little bit of what Diane was saying, the, the kindness and the true love and the grace and the faith that came upon people all across the country, not just in our neck of the woods, was really incredible. And, you know, it's just if, if we could have just a little slice of that back today, we'd be a much better country. I agree. Um, well said. John Rowland joining us here on the morning show with Ray and Brian. Ray is off this week. Brian Shackman here with you. Um, you know, when I think about, let's take a pause from the emotion for a second, because it's I, I find myself clenching, in, and I'm not even I wasn't even there or part of it. From a leadership perspective, like, were you in touch with? The president, like, I mean, obviously, as an adjoining state, Connecticut and, and, New, and New Jersey were so, you know, enmeshed with this whole event. Sure. You know, talk about, like, the progression of, like, just as a leader, how this was handled. Sure. Well, <clears throat> your you first thought is, you know, what, what are we vulnerable here in Connecticut? And my first thought was, oh, my goodness, we have the sub base here and we have most right. owned power plants. So we froze the airspace around there uh, immediately. That was kind of our first step. Um, I, of course, contacted Mayor Giuliani. I was in constant contact with Governor Pataki. I was down at Ground Zero when President Bush, you know, jumped up on that mound with the yeah. firefighters with the megaphone. I was, I was standing there when he, he said, you know, we, we heard from you, and now you're going to hear from us. Uh, we had state police. We had the National Guard folks. We had our dogs down there. People wonder why we use Sherwood Island and Westport now as the memorial. That was our staging area. We had equipment, and one of the one of the most incredible visuals to me was that day, which was I think two days after 9/11 that we were down there, and I looked around and I saw trucks from Connecticut. I saw ONG trucks and I saw cranes and all kinds of equipment. Um, Connecticut contractors went down, and, and hundreds of them probably, to volunteer to try to help with the rubble and help with the search and rescue. The most chilling moment was when I left that day, and we were going at the exit area, and there were thousands, thousands of people lined up on the streets with American flags, and they were handing out water to the other volunteers, and they were sitting there just applauding the firemen and the policemen and the first responders that were leaving the site. It was breathtaking, and it was um, a, a real moment. So, obviously, we here we are 20 years later. And if we do anything today or tomorrow or this weekend, I hope we kind of all step back and say, you know what, let's reach back and see if we can grab a little bit of that grace and a little bit of that love that we saw. I mean, people truly 
were as patriotic and as 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 raw as we could possibly be, and, and now we're calloused, and uh, it, it's a shame. And 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 maybe this is a great, you know, learning moment for all of us in this country. You would hope so. You know, it's you, you, what's fascinating about you, uh, Governor Rowland, is that you you were a governor, a congressman. You did a bunch of stuff, and then you were also in the media, right? You you sat right. in this my chair, and so. Yeah. You know, it's not that I'm looking for advice, but I'm just curious, like how, you know, and as a Republican, you are a Republican. If you were in a position of of sort of dealing with the way our culture is right now, as a member of the media with the, the megaphone you would have, like how do you think you'd be handling it? I mean— because right. a lot of people in the chair, they they're 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 doubling down on on right. the the vitriol because it's good for ratings, right? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the, the country is divided blue and red. I mean, no question. Um, and it, it does take leadership. I'm I'm really disappointed in the White House because I thought President Biden, who I know from back in the day when I was in Congress, um, he's he's fueling that. And, and, and that's a shame. But, you know, again, it, right to your point, it plays to the ratings, it plays to the political maneuvering. You know, I, I'm a great golden rule guy. If we can all step back and whether we're on the radio, whether we're, we're in politics and just observe the golden rule and just, you know, treat people like you want to be treated. I, although I was a Republican, I have extraordinary relations with the other side of the aisle. I mean, I, I play golf and hang out and have dinner with Democrats and leaders that I served with today, 20 years later. And so though it's, it's about personal relationships, respect, uh, and I, I just don't think that we're respecting each other, the civility. Uh, and so I, I think it's, it's a long time to come, frankly, because I think we're going to get worse before we get better. But we, we have to get back to some civility. I think our faith leaders have to get engaged. Uh, I think they've got to stay, step up. You see the Franklin Grahams of the world stepping in. Right. That, I think, they can be healers. But we need healers because um, right now we're, we're, we're in a spiral. We're in a death spiral to, for our country. And the next generation, uh, or two, next two generations, are just watching. And they're like, okay, okay. this is how society is supposed to be. This is how we're supposed to act. And, and don't forget, I mean, my son served in the military right after 9-11. He did a tour in Iraq. He was in Marine Recon. Um, you know, the t- kids that are 30 and 40 years old, I mean, they barely remember 20 years ago, yeah. and uh, all they remember is what they're seeing now. So, again, I, I think it's hard to look past the ratings, the elections, and the partisanship. Um, I, you know, I was blessed because the 10 years that I was in office, I, I was working with the other side of the aisle. We did budgets on the back of an envelope. We we enjoyed each other's company. We, you know, did a lot of crazy things. We tried to get. I see a picture. We try to get the the patriots to come to Connecticut. Yeah. We we but we we fixed up UConn, so we had a lot of great things going yeah. on. So um, again, sometimes in life you have to bottom out before it gets better. I think that's where we're going. It's going to have to get bad. Maybe it's going to be another terrorist attack. I mean, what we have pending in Afghanistan is is volatile at best, and it's scary. Um, and we better be ready for for what happens next. And again, that was John Rowland earlier this week with Brian Shackman on our 9-11 show that happened Friday morning. And there's some words in there that I hope you just, you know, pick apart, pay attention to, listen. You know, we will never forget. And I hope we return as a country to what we were days after 9-11, a solidarity, a uniformity, and an understanding of civility. I hope those days return because remember, great things happen at home in Connecticut. (laughs) 
You've been listening to At Home in Connecticut, a public service project produced by WTIC News Talk 1080. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.